Hello and welcome to The Change Troubleshooter. This is Nina Dar's podcast. Welcome to Season 4 of The Change Troubleshooter, Changing Mindsets. This is Episode 2, Changing Mindsets on Our Attitude to Learning. We find Nina in conversation with another Nina in another country. Nina Arakal Matthew is a facilitator of consciousness in living and learning, based in New Delhi, India. She is the founder of Mind and Me, a revolutionary learning centre where the teaching methodology is very different from traditional methods. Hello and welcome to the new episode of the Change Troubleshooter podcast. And today it is my great pleasure to welcome Nina Arakal Matthew from Mind and Me. And she's coming to us today from New Delhi in India. Thank you, Nina. Uh, it's so lovely to see you. I wish I wish I could be in India, actually. <laughs> um, we keep hearing reports that the weather is extremely hot in India. So are you OK there? Is everyone OK? Thankfully, we had rain in the past two days. And the next seven days, they say it's going to be really pleasant. So looking forward to that kind of weather. You! <laughs> what we need. So you have the most amazing job title. Facilitator of Consciousness in Living and Learning. Tell me what that means. Nina, first of all, thank you for having me here. I'm really honoured to be a part of this podcast of yours. So really gratitude for inviting me. Let me begin by saying that when I was thinking of uh, who am I? Am I an educator or am I a facilitator? Woman, I said it should include everything, it should encompass everything that I do in just a few words, and that is how I came across this. Yes, I am facilitator of consciousness in living and learning because that is who I am, and it sounds so beautiful and something that. I think we all would like in our lives. <laughs> we we would, would all like to be facilitated in that way. And when I've read your blogs and, and things that you've done and your projects that you've been involved in, they are incredibly inspiring, which is why it is my pleasure that you are my guest today. Tell me and the people listening a little bit about Mind and Me. Mind and Me started in 2016 when I resigned from my job and I was wanting to start my own learning center. Again, whenever I have started doing something, I always have these hundred questions for myself. What am I going to do? How am I going to do? Why am I doing it? This is what my consciousness is all about. And Mind and me, again, I started because I wanted not to teach the children. I wanted them to learn. I wanted to learn with them, understand them. And that is how I started this center. It was very difficult for me to convince the parents that this center is extremely a joyful center. I'm sorry, it is not exam-oriented. It is not marks oriented and it is somewhere 
some place where the children are going to just enjoy being and enjoying that freedom of learning so that is how i started and that's again another story how i started and what all uh, we'll not go into the detail but uh, yes my first student was my daughter and it has been working since then i have been trying different methodologies uh, it's not that i have been successful every time i have failed also miserably but that has not stopped me from exploring more and more about learning because that itself is a joy okay i failed doesn't matter i can try this okay this works so i have choices so do my students have the choices and there is joy in picking up those choices of learning and this is the thing that inspires you isn't it that you're driven by this belief that if if learning is a joyful experience then we will learn in a different way and 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 you have an approach that is much more holistic as well you are really getting us getting everybody to think about mind body and soul it's that the learning experience through us understanding all parts of us as individuals will make it that we will be able to contribute more fully we will understand ourselves and others in a different way and that is part of the learning journey not just to tick boxes and get a certificate at the end absolutely absolutely um mind and me is about mind body and soul and that is how i uh, came up with facilitator of consciousness in living and learning now consciousness is actually you know it's our very existence it's beyond the mind it's understanding life itself the situation the why what how and within the domains of physical mental and vital that takes us to the psychic being every situation in life if we look at it look look at it with perspective of consciousness and awareness now when i speak about consciousness it's not just awareness we talk you know when we have a conversation a regular conversation people say oh she is figure conscious he is very conscious of his looks so that is very peripheral consciousness is deepened and a widened perspective of who you are what's going on in your life and understanding the people around you that is consciousness at a deeper level so yes when students come to me parents come to me my interaction with them is at a deeper level and that helps me create those learning environments this joyful environment for the children where learning actually takes place positively and when we look around the world today in fact i was in a situation this morning and it seems to happen on a daily basis now where particularly younger people are getting so anxious and disorientated by events that are happening in our world today and their capacity to really absorb what is going on and then break those situations down into 
manageable components that they can learn from or evaluate or analyze or even reject as things that they don't need to worry about is seemingly very difficult. And I feel that more and more the current education systems that we put people through are really neglecting this side of learning. And so we may have more and more people going through with more and more certificates to say that they have attained a certain level of knowledge. But that ability to learn a very different skill set, a skill set that is fundamental to us surviving as humans and helping each other survive in this world as we need to, is, well, just feels to me quite neglected. So when I look at what you're trying to do, I feel that you're trying to bridge that gap there. Yes, absolutely. Trying to bridge that gap and bring learning through conversations in my classrooms. And let me tell you that the one hour class that I have, out of that around, you know, 50 to 55 minutes are spent only in conversations, play, uh, developing the vital, and 10 minutes of focused concept. And when, you know, that is a readiness that they show. Because we don't need uh, children's attention for one hour. We don't need that. We need them to be involved, engaged, be ready to learn, be enthusiastic, and give them give them the concept that is there. You have planned the entire class. Give them the concept in that space, in that readiness. And you will see it will be a smooth transition and they will absorb very well in that kind of environment of learning. And I think this isn't true just for children. Because when we look at some of the methods that we've tried to bring into the workplace with agile thinking and agile project management and agile teams where we have scrum meetings where they're short and focused, a lot of that, uh, a lot of what you're talking about is really trying to feed through in this that we don't need meetings for a whole hour. Who can focus and really concentrate for a whole hour? But what we do need is to be in the right mindset for that hour to probably discuss and collaborate with each other and talk about the things that really matter. And then we need 10 minutes to do the actions, decide, make the decisions and, uh, and walk out feeling lighter. Um, whereas at the moment, I think that we tend to get bogged down a lot with this idea that we have to be there for the whole time, be engaged and present and uh, responding to something all the time. And then by default, I think what we get in the end is a second best reaction because most people are so tired or They now don't really understand what point is being made or how they're supposed to engage. So if we're lucky, we may get a reaction and nine times out of 10, we agree to have another meeting. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's that's again stressful, very stressful. So we need to move from the stressful to the joyful space of learning by engaging and involving ourselves, everyone, in what they are interested in, and then start with what we have to give them or learn from them. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think it's it's something that we could all benefit from. So the idea of this podcast season is that we try and tackle a problem in 15 minutes. So we've got 15 minutes now to tackle the problem that we believe our attitude to learning needs to change. And I've got some questions that I'm going to fire over to you to see if we can tackle this problem together in the next 15 minutes. So based on your experience, Nina, what is the best learning environment we can create? The best learning environment has to be where there is freedom, where conversations are there, questions are asked, questions which don't intimidate you, questions which are life-based questions, which will actually create those conversations, those lively conversations and collaborations among the students. And from there, we go on to the next level of learning. That space of freedom, happiness, and curiosity is the best space for a great learning environment, according to me. And I so agree with the curiosity. And it does tie in again to a lot of the theories that we try and push out about storytelling in the workplace. We try and say, okay, well, what is the story here? And it is difficult because a lot of students through education, and it definitely goes into the workplace, we focus on an outcome. All anyone wants is the outcome. No, what's the outcome here? When actually... Mm sometimes get the wrong outcome because we haven't let the story evolve and we haven't let people be curious enough to ask the questions, to feel like they can contribute fully and allow that story to evolve in the way that it should and then say, ah, so if we, if we went down these paths, here are some outcomes that we could have. Yes. So, yeah, I love that. So this this lovely environment of freedom, ah, so important. So how do you encourage people who don't want to learn? Because not everybody that comes to you must be in a space where they're happy to be there and happy that their parents have sent them to you. What do you do when somebody just doesn't want to learn, doesn't want to be there? This is my favorite question because it's very, very realistic. 100%, it never happens that you try everything, the methodologies, uh, the storytelling, uh, art, you include everything uh, in your classes. And still there will be a child who will not be wanting to learn. So here, again, I will take the path of consciousness in learning and I will try to understand myself. Why is the child who's not liking to learn? Why is that child hating to learn? Is it some problem in my methodology? 
is it a space from where he is coming his home background the child's home background the child's environment what is going on in the child's mind so all those questions like i said in the beginning when a child is uh, hating to learn that means we need to bring a change in our interactions in our uh, pedagogies that we adopt and try to incorporate it and welcome the child as the child is and let the child be for some time let's not force feed any concept or knowledge into the child children are born with voracious capacity of learning we cannot say that they don't they hate learning no they don't we need to have again those interactions where we draw out the information from the child where his love lies ah oh, that's so nice <laughs> find out where their love lies and also I think that is so true about there's a reason when when people hate something and again it doesn't matter how old you are in this situation if there is that dislike the negativity is always for a reason and it's about tapping in or again you know are you saying give people the freedom to express what that is without judgment true So what do the children that you teach love the most? Uh, They love when I don't teach them. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) They love it when I hear them out. I'm not uh, waiting to give some kind of knowledge or concept as soon as they come to me. No, I understand their world. I get down to their level and try to speak their emotions, imitate their emotions, their language, so that they confide in me and they just uh, build a rapport with me. They they trust me. So that kind of uh, space I provide and I feel that, you know, that kind of rapport once built, that trust once built with a child, That is the most amazing thing that you can do in your classes. And from there on, you tell a story, you play with them, you sing, you dance. Everything is magical. As I want to be in your class. And, you know, I want to ask the obvious why here. So I'm going to ask and not going to second guess it. Why do they love that so much? Children love it because they are not tailor-made to (laughs) sit in one place and write down or copy or listen to instructions, they are made to be free. That is their innate capacity to, you know, that cathartic energy that is within them. It is full of expressions, full of questions. And once that is suppressed, then they would never, you you cannot build a bond You cannot create a bond between you and the child. So they always look for that freedom. And for me, I give them that freedom. But again, I also 
uh, I'm very um, particular about discipline. Discipline as a life skill, not as something enforced, but something which where they respect each other, they listen to each other, they respect each other's space. And once they have that, we are halfway or more than halfway through. You're making it sound very easy. And I'm guessing it's not as blissful as it's sounding right now. And on that point, really, what what really does spring to mind is, can we really have an education system that only focuses on what people love doing? I mean, what about the stuff that they don't like doing? And you've just touched on it there. What about the discipline? Isn't the... Sitting in one place, copying down, isn't that part of learning discipline as well? Sitting in one place, copying down is uh, not part of a discipline. It is a part of a system which they are supposed to follow. (laughs) Discipline comes from a state of consciousness. It comes from something from within. It is a practice. It is not it cannot be enforced on someone, but if we practice uh, discipline through circle times, through uh, listening activities, then that can be enforced. Or, and not, I will not use the word enforced, but they understand the space of others and their space. And once they understand, then it is easier. Uh, like you said, it is uh, more easier said than done. Let me go back to my classroom teaching where actually there were children, table and chair and, uh, you know, the number of children in a class, so many of them. And it's not easy to keep them, you know, make them, to bring any kind of change in uh, the classrooms. The easiest thing for me was to write something on the board and tell them to write it down in their notebooks because they just have to look and they have to write. There is no physical involvement, mental engagement. I don't know how much is happening there. Mm. And again, the vital is not touched at all. But I used to do that. I said... No, this is not my kind of uh, class. I need learning to take place in a very active and joyful way. And there was noise. It is noisy. And it's not that the whole day, six and seven, six to seven hours in the class, I'm not, you know, jumping around or they are not jumping around. But yeah, it is planned. Every hour is planned in such a way that there is an outcome of learning happening even in that noise and sometimes it does uh, it's it's really um, you can say a burden for teacher to handle the class of so many children the numbers actually speaks for itself but if planned properly it can be done. It's not something which is impossible and it has amazing results. I have done it. That's why I'm sharing over here. So what you're talking about here is 
our natural energy. Now, as a person, uh, I have a lot of natural energy. And when that energy is suppressed, when people try and put me in a room where it's so quiet and I have to just listen to somebody and there's no interaction and no engagement and no opportunity for me to collaborate, I actually become a smaller version of me because I tend to shut down inside. And the only way I can describe that to people is I am an all or nothing person because either you get high energy me or I'm practically asleep and you get nothing. But And that is part of the problem, isn't it? We have a natural state as human beings that during our education system, that is eroded. And we do have to question whether that erosion is to the benefit of the people teaching or to the benefit of the students. And what your results are showing is that it's it isn't it is more beneficial if the student has that freedom and it can express that natural energy that they hold within yes and there is a huge difference between education and learning yes education was actually designed and structured for a society for employability for say economic prosperity for students. And now when society is changing, I was reading Ken Robinson's book and I came across this uh, very amazing line. He said that education is not what we do to students. Education is what we do with the students. (laughs) And when we do education with the students, we are actually transitioning ourselves into a learning space and learning is not you know structure bound or age bound or space bound if you love learning you will learn anywhere anyhow because that is an inborn capacity within you nobody has to force you to learn you can learn gardening cooking complex coding systems engineering Whatever is there, there's so many avenues in life that you can learn. It is up to you how you learn, where you learn, what you learn. Nobody is forcing you. So that is joy in learning. How do you think we change this mindset? Because we are at the point, and I think this is globally. This isn't uh, me talking about the UK or you talking about India. I think that globally, the there is now a business of education. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. so much money involved in what we perceive to be education. And then yet we would say that people are not learning. And and we, we never really, you know, I haven't heard many people talk like you, Nina, where we are separating this out and saying, ah, but the learning process here is important and we can learn. And it actually doesn't have to be connected to an official education program. And there are alternative ways of doing this. And I think 
with the transition to a new paradigm that we have to take in this world now and definitely over the next 10 years, this will be something that we see talked about more and more. So how do you think we should start changing our mindset so that we can start nudging the learning process to be more effective? Mindset is something which is like a conditioning of years of observing, listening to facts, reading about facts. So it takes time. It is not instantly that's going to happen. But yes, we are going to try it because we are here for the 15 minutes attitude change of learning. So what what can we do? If you really believe in the power of learning, start from where you are, what you have. Start in your community. Welcome children. Welcome students. What do you have? Each one of us has something to give this world. Why don't we just share it in our community? Why are we going job searching, which is important, but at least start from your community. Welcome students. What can you teach them? And go ahead. Change the definition of learning that you have where children have to go to number one institutions or spend so much money. Uh, Parents have to spend so much money on a particular course. No, that is not required. Find out. And if you're a parent, if you're an educator, if you want to teach, please go ahead, welcome your students and start, start from where you are. And if you are a parent, Find out in your community, is there a learning space provided for my child, which is good alternative education for my child, where he or she will learn the skills, much required skills. If you have that, take that first step towards, that is your first step towards changing the mindset. Yeah, and and I am hopeful, actually, that if I think about what is happening in my own community here, we have seen an increase in local gardening projects, even litter picking projects and recycling hubs and mending stations where people are taking things to. And we are also being encouraged to get back that lovely thing that definitely happened when I was growing up where older people would pass on a skill set to younger people who were really quite curious and thought it was quite fun I mean I used to do no end of crazy things with my granddad who just would take me to meet the greengrocer and then we'd be talking about fruit and vegetables at a greengrocer truck and you don't think about it at the time because you don't think that is learning but as you get older you realize these experiences are so precious and somehow somewhere in that crazy moment you learned a lot of stuff absolutely and these are the experiences that you always remember These are the long-term memories that you have of learning because you are engaged fully mentally, vitally, and physically in that particular moment. That is what is missing from our 
regular education system. Absolutely. Well, that's our 15 minutes. And I think <laughs> you've given us some really strong direction for us all to follow. And we can continue this conversation with anybody who would like to engage with us on LinkedIn and on Instagram. So please reach out and continue this with us because I think this conversation is definitely for the is for the long term. You know, we like you're saying, we we just have time to experiment, don't we? And um, before we sign off, I want to know what your daughter thinks of all this, your first student. What does yeah. she think of your experience? <laughs> she loves uh, every part of uh, learning with me because the moment she opens the book, she goes off to sleep. She said, Mama, please help me with your whatever uh, the skills and the, the drawing through drawing or your mapping or uh, the different techniques of learning. Let's discuss about it because I understand that way. So I don't know whether uh, that's going to help her in the long run, but she she loves she loves doing this learning in a different style. I'm, I'm sure there's many, uh, many listeners, including me that would just want to sit in one of your classes anyway. <laughs> Start from the beginning and, uh, and allow ourselves to be curious and energetic and not just have to sit in a seat and copy from a board. So it's been an absolute pleasure, Nina, and I look forward to continuing this conversation with you. Thank you, Nina. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Well, thanks again to Nina's guests and thank you for listening to The Change Troubleshooter. If you'd like to continue the conversation, contact Nina directly, ninadar.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please like it. Join us again for the next episode of The Change Troubleshooter. This has been a Sun Soaked Creative production.